Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless possible. Filthy rich 20-somethings who landed one of the biggest reality TV opportunities of the 2000s. So what exactly made Nicole Richie and Paris Hilton the it girls of their time? And what exactly brought their childhood friendship undone? Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Hello. Hello, Zara McDonald. And welcome to ep one of this three-part series on the simple life of Paris and Nicole. I am stupidly excited for this one. I think for me, there's been a lot around about Paris Hilton over the years, right? Especially over the last couple of years. Mm. There's been a lot of people who are kind of looking back and telling her story with a different lens. But few people have done it with Nicole Richie as well. And we love Nicole Richie. Remember, was it last year that we spoke about her foray into wellness rap? Yes, yes. I was going to say it was like her alter ego. Why you should eat more vegetables and have a garden. Yeah, it was one of the more random stories of the year for sure. (laughs) Now, I think with Paris and Nicole, growing up they definitely felt like these it girls who dominated headlines and influenced culture in the noughties. But I remember so little about why yeah. and how it all came to be. And they sort of have also like matured very remarkably in the public eye too. Yeah, I think as well I remember a particular kind of derision that they received from the media. Like they were largely mocked and made fun of. And I remember the way people used to write about Paris Hilton in particular. So I'm particularly excited to go back and kind of deep dive that. I'm also just interested in the simple life as like a cultural phenomenon full stop. The Simple Life came along in the same year as Jessica Simpson's reality TV show with her husband or then husband Nick Lachey. Did the you ever watch? Same year? Yeah, same year. 2003, big Absolutely year for reality TV. Absolutely I remember that show. It was Newlyweds, of course. And I feel like Newlyweds and The Simple Life definitely paved the way for the future of reality television. I mean, they were on the cusp of something. They came before the Kardashians, before the Real Housewives, before so many of the TV juggernauts that we know and love today. Yeah, for sure. They definitely started a 
total cultural reset when it came to what we were consuming on TV. Now, this really is the series that has it all. We've got famous families, one of them a dynasty, bucket loads of money, a childhood friendship, a television show documenting it all, a high profile falling out, some serious run-ins with the law, and then two women who emerge from it all with some pretty wildly impressive empires. But for now, Michelle, all of that is to come because we are heading back to where it all began. We are actually going back to Nicole to start in 1981. All right, Zara. In 1981, Nicole Ritchie was born to her biological parents, Peter Escovedo and Karen Moss. Her father was actually a drummer who toured with the musician Lionel Ritchie for a brief period of time. She actually comes from a musical family, right? So her father was a drummer Her auntie, so her dad's sister, was also a very successful musician as well. Yeah. Now, Nicole's birth parents reportedly split up before she was even born. By the time she was three, they were also reportedly having trouble with their finances and knew that they couldn't properly care for Nicole. Now, Nicole was a fixture at Lionel Richie's concerts because, as you mentioned before, Michelle, her dad was one of his drummers for a fleeting period Mm. of time. Now, apparently Lionel Richie was so taken with her that he got her parents' approval to let her move into his LA home with his wife Brenda when she was just three years old. Six years later, she was formally adopted by the Richies. Now, Nicole explained this to People magazine by saying, My parents were friends with Lionel. They trusted that they would be better able to provide for me. And then she grew up amongst some of the most famous musicians in the world, counting Michael Jackson, Prince and Kenny Rogers as her uncles. Yeah, in the interests of transparency, though, not everyone's recollections of that time are the same. As part of our research, we actually read The Beat of My Own Drum, which is the memoir written by Nicole's aunt, Sheila, the musician that I referenced before. Sheila paints a bit of a messier story when it comes to Nicole's adoption by the Richies. After writing that Brenda and Lionel had, and I quote, tried without success to have children of their own. In her memoir, Sheila does imply that Nicole's biological parents, particularly her mother, felt a bit of pressure to actually adopt Nicole out to the Richies. Yeah, here's one extract from that book. Brenda adored Nikki too and suggested that my niece stay with them whenever Karen was on tour with me. She insisted it made sense. She provided her with a beautiful bedroom and showered her with toys and clothes. She even bought her a puppy. As a single working mum, Karen was extremely grateful, but very torn. Brenda enrolled Nikki at a local primary school where she was getting a great education. She had everything she could possibly need. Mm, I hope you guys can understand. We're going to read chunks of this memoir because we don't want to put words in anyone's mouth. So this is another passage from that chapter in Sheila's book. She wrote, When Brenda started to talk about adopting Nicole, Karen, Nicole's biological mum, didn't know what to do. Lionel, who was Nicole's official guardian, would do anything to keep Brenda happy. In the end, the Richies convinced Karen and Peter that they could give Nicole the kind of life her birth parents never could. They told us that we would all be in Nicole's life as much as before, and they acknowledged that we were always her family. The heartbreaking part is that once Nicole Escovedo legally became Nicole Ritchie, it felt like we lost her. We all lost her. Yeah, which does make this a pretty complicated and layered story when different people who were part of this experience have different perspectives. 
Sheila went on, people have lots of questions about Nicole. There's been a ton of false and upsetting information put out there by the media from completely inaccurate sources surrounding Nicole's early life and the circumstances around her adoption. While there are many things I could share from my personal perspective, out of respect for Nicole and others in the family, as well as out of respect for the Richies, I have to emphasize that the rest of the story is not mine to tell in a public forum. She went on, I can, however, share this. Nicole's my niece, whom I love to pieces. She's my brother Peter Michael's biological daughter. Her mother was and is a good friend. Lionel and Brenda Ritchie adopted her and gave her a life full of love and great privilege. She was a precious little girl and has grown up to be a remarkably intelligent, talented, creative, funny and beautiful young woman. All of the Escovitos love her madly and always will. The rest, as I say, is not my story to tell. It's interesting to me because I think when we often read out in these scandal episodes a biography written from an extended member of the family, Mm. it's often far more messy than I feel like the way that Sheila is writing. I I do feel like, all things considered, it is actually a relatively respectful way to tell your story if this is what you say is your truth. I respect the fact that she says I'll – I'll say that she was still loved before she went to the Richies. I will say that she was still loved when she went to the Richies, but that maybe it was messier than meets the eye. Yeah, I think as well it's always important to note the power dynamic. Like you have in Lionel Richie and his wife Brenda, you've got two people in a particularly wealthy, powerful position. Then you have Karen and Peter, Nicole's biological parents, and it doesn't sound like they had maybe as much power as you would want them to have in this situation. And I just cannot move past the line. The heartbreaking part is that once Nicole Escovito legally became Nicole Ritchie, it felt like we lost her. We all lost her. Like that line is so sad and so heartbreaking. Of course, we don't know exactly what happened. There's two stories and then there's a truth somewhere in the middle. But it's a very interesting decision, I think, to put that in this memoir And I think it would have been a mistake if we didn't read that out because I actually didn't see that anywhere. It was only by chance that you and I decided to read this memoir in the first place. And I was just shocked when I read that because the narrative in the media is that Nicole was saved. Nicole was saved by Lionel and his wife, Brenda. And thank God, where it's more complicated than that. For sure. Now, back to Lionel's perspective on how things happened, though. In a recent interview with People magazine, he reflected on the decision to adopt Nicole. He said Nicole was actually a godsend. She was a little girl who needed a shot. She was used to people coming and going. She looked at me and I'd say, I'm not going anywhere. My then wife, Brenda, and I went through a very interesting time. We didn't agree on a lot of things, but we did agree on Nicole. Yeah, based on that quote, it might not be all that surprising to learn that Nicole's adoptive parents, Lionel and Brenda, were going through what Nicole has since called a very stormy, bad, public, horrible, horrible divorce. Brenda actually caught Lionel Richie having an affair with his ex-wife. Soon after, Lionel remarried to another woman named Diane Alexander and started having a new family. By the by, that's where Sophia Ritchie, Nicole's half-sister, comes into the picture. According to Nicole, that upheaval certainly impacted the way that she was raised. In an interview with Vanity Fair, she once said, I learned the power of manipulation early. I was hurt about the divorce, so I chose to spin it so it would work out for me too. I liked the fact that my parents weren't speaking because I could play them against each other. I was very free to come and go as I pleased. I don't really blame anybody for it. 
Everybody wanted to make me happy. Their way of making me happy was to say yes to everything I wanted, but I don't think a little girl should have that much freedom. So Nicole lived with Brenda and she enrolled in a fancy private school in LA, which she attended with Paris Hilton. Now, it was there that Paris and Nicole became childhood best friends. Nicole told Harper's Bazaar that Paris was her partner in crime at this time. When we were little, she said, our parents always wanted to separate us. And I remember word for word them saying, it's not that it's me and it's not that it's her, it's the two of us together. <laughs> now, we are going to tell you about the friendship between Nicole and Paris, but first we need to properly introduce Paris Hilton. Yeah, Paris Hilton is about six months older than Nicole Ritchie. She was born in February 1981. She is the oldest of four children. She has a younger sister, Nikki, and two younger brothers named Baron and Conrad. Why are so many rich young men named Baron? I feel like I don't know a Baron unless he's like an heir to an empire. Yeah, I also didn't know that she had two younger brothers, if I'm honest. I thought <laughs> It was just her and Nikki always. Now, Paris was born into one of the great dynasties of the modern world, the Hilton family. And forgive us, we're going to deviate very slightly from the timeline here because to understand who Paris Hilton is, you do need to understand where she comes from. And that is quite the story. Yeah. Paris's great grandfather was Conrad Hilton. Now, Conrad came from a pretty modest family. His dad actually owned a grocery store. But Conrad was kind of born with this incredible entrepreneurial spirit. In fact, over the years, while Conrad worked for his father, he actually began convincing him to turn that grocery store into a 10-bedroom hotel. And over time, it became this weird like supermarket hotel hybrid. In 1919, Conrad Hilton had built up his wealth a little bit and bought the Mobley Hotel in Texas. Now, it was a place that he described as a cross between a flop house and a gold mine. That hotel was so successful that Conrad ended up converting the dining rooms to bedrooms to accommodate the number of guests they were getting. Yeah, 100%. Now, from there, he went on to build hotels throughout America and created the Hilton Hotel chain. The New York Times described him as, and I quote, a Trumpian figure who palled around with celebrities and went dancing with the sordid LA showgirls. He was married twice. His second wife was a Hungarian beauty queen called Zsa Zsa Gabor, who everyone warned him was a gold digger. It is worth noting that even though the Hilton family is pretty famous and influential and even though each generation did inherit some money, a lot of money has been given away. Yeah, Conrad was one of the richest men in America, but when he died in 1979, he actually only left $500,000 to his two surviving sons. He left $100,000 to his daughter Constance and gave the rest to charity. We need to point out. I know. Weird weird to deprive your daughter of 400k that you're giving to your son but she's a chick she doesn't she's deserve a chick yeah. gals don't need money gals belong to their husbands yeah, they just need a man now this kind of continued paris's grandfather who passed away in 2019 reportedly donated 97 percent of his fortune to charity but did and i do have to make this very clear <laughs> split the remaining 135 million across his eight children 15 grandchildren and four great-grandchildren according to paris's mum kathy the first five children got millions and millions and millions of dollars. And then the three younger ones, they did not. They did not, which meant Paris's parents had to get to work. Now, this isn't to say, of course, that Paris's family was not wealthy, successful or well-connected. They were absolutely all of those things. Her dad, Richard Hilton, met her mum, Kathy, through friends in LA when she was 15 and he was 19. Four years after they met, when Kathy was 19 years old, they had Paris. 
Richard went on to become a real estate broker and founded the luxury real estate company Hilton and Highland. To give an indication of their success, about 10 years ago, they were pulling in about $3.5 billion in sales. Now, of course, it's a real estate firm. They're not actually making $3.5 billion a year. That's the amount of business they're generating. But still, like a colossal figure. Yeah, for sure. Now, her mum was also well-connected in Hollywood. Her mother, Kathleen, known by her nickname Big Kathy, was a pretty typical stage mum. She nudged each of her daughters, Kathy, Kim and Kyle, into acting and modelling when they were young. So Kathy was a pretty successful child actress and model appearing in movies like Bewitched. Another random fact here is that she was also best friends with Michael Jackson from around the age of 13. Paris has said that she was invited on set for every one of his music videos. Mm. So Hollywood, it seemed, was in the family genes. Kathy's little sister Kim was in Escape to Witch Mountain and her other little sister Kyle was in Little House on the Prairie. Yeah, now all three sisters will be familiar to anyone who watches Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. They're all massive on that show. And so, yeah, fame and celebrity is in the DNA of this family. Back to Paris, though. Paris has said that she always felt the pressure of being a Hilton. In her documentary, This Is Paris, she said, being a part of this family is a lot of pressure. There's a lot of weight because I feel like I'm carrying on a legacy. My great-grandfather and grandfather created an insane empire of hotels and growing up, that was a lot to look up to. It was hard just to like totally be myself. It sounds like Paris's mum, Kathy, also reinforced that pressure and really wanted her daughter to live up to the lofty expectations of the family. Paris has said that Kathy always taught her to be very proper, private, and portray that, and we quote, everything was perfect. Paris's quote goes, my mum just wanted me to be a Hilton and I just wanted to be Paris. Paris said that her family nicknamed her Star and that she grew up with her dad always filming her and the family. She said her grandmother, the former stage mum I mentioned before, Big Kathy, saw something in her always, and I quote, making me feel like I could be whoever I wanted to be, but that it was her mum who didn't want her to go into the acting modelling world, that instead she wanted something different for her daughter. We are going to get into what that was right after the break. But first, a word from today's sponsor. All right, Zara. So Paris is kind of her family's shiny little star. Her nickname literally, literally is Star. But her mum, Kathy, isn't convinced that she wants Paris to go into show business. The family moved away. So they were living in LA, but they actually moved to New York in 1996 when Paris Hilton was 15 years old. The reason for that was Paris's father, Richard, was opening a New York branch of his real estate office, Hilton Highland. Paris told Vanity Fair that the transition wasn't at all easy. She said New York and LA are very different. I cried and thought I was going to hate it here. Now, she went to a string of private schools in New York, including the Professional Children's School, a place geared towards child actors and dancers, where one of her classmates actually included Macaulay Culkin. Now, from there, Paris transferred to another fancy private school called Dwight. Yeah, only that didn't quite work out either. Her mum told Vanity Fair in 2000 that Paris was very intelligent with a 3.8 average, but that she had to leave the school because they had a stalker. Kathy really committed to this story at the time. She even said that the reason the family had to live at the hotel, the Waldorf Towers, was because of the intense security there. Kathy's quote reads, that's why we have the security we have because you know, Paris is an attractive girl being followed, being stalked. And I think when you're attractive and people recognize you and your picture comes out, 
out here and there. It was the most frightening thing I've ever gone through. It was so scary. Kathy then also claimed that after leaving the school, Paris ended up spending time in London at the Hilton hotels over there and eventually graduated via homeschooling. But in the years since that 2000 Vanity Fair profile, Zara, we've learnt the truth of what actually was happening to Paris Hilton at that time. Yeah, now in her documentary, Paris explained that she struggled being the new girl in school. She said, I dealt with a lot of bullying and the girls sort of ganging up on me and being mean to me. Paris said that her mum was also putting a lot of pressure on her to maintain face in New York society. She said, in New York, there was a socialite scene. Everyone knew who I was. My mum had us go to etiquette classes, so we were basically taught how to be debutantes. It's very proper, very prim, almost like a Stepford wife. It just didn't seem real or natural to me. Paris said that her parents were very strict and she wasn't allowed to go out, go on dates or go to school dances. Yeah, Paris says her response to that really strict parenting was to rebel. Friends later spoke to Vanity Fair and said that Paris had long been a partier and that she'd actually started going out clubbing when she was just 13 years old, where she'd claim that she was 22 and just get away with it. Paris apparently bonded with really rich kids, really well-connected kids in the scene as well, like as in the kids of Saudi royalty. She was surrounded by wealth, surrounded by privilege and surrounded by this lifestyle that you could behave like an adult and get away with it. Yeah, in her documentary, Paris said that she was, and I quote, addicted to the nightlife. There she felt accepted and like the queen of the night. It is where she, and I quote, really became Paris. She told People magazine that her parents were so strict, and I quote, that it made me want to rebel. They'd punish me by taking away my cell phone, taking away my credit card, but it didn't work. I would still go out on my own. Mm, Paris said that she was also starting to get off to go to different events at this time, even as a teenager. Now, it probably goes without saying, this was a really stressful time for her parents. Kathy recently told the podcast Lunch with Bruce, I was actually worried about Paris for a good while. She was sneaking out and she'd go missing and I wouldn't be able to find her. Let's put it this way. It got very out of control and I was scared for her. My husband was very scared for her. And you know, those nightclubs go on all night. There were times I did not sleep. How about for two days not knowing where your daughter is and once hearing blood-curdling screaming and then the phone hanging up? There's a lot of stuff people don't know. And I did get some flack. Well, trust me, I did what I had to do. Paris's partying ways weren't at all a secret. Like, the tabloids loved her and followed her closely. Kathy said, I think with two girls, attractive with a very famous last name, journalists like Graydon Carter, who was later become the editor-in-chief of Vanity Fair, would write 12 pages on them. She also admitted that she used to call up the city desk at the New York Post at night to try and find out where Paris was, and they would be able to tell her where she'd last been spotted. She was up all night reportedly worrying about and waiting for Paris to come home. Yeah, but then Paris says that one night around this time, when she was 16 years old, she, and we quote, woke up to two large men entering my bedroom asking if I wanted to go the easy way or the hard way. She went on, thinking I was being kidnapped, I screamed for my parents. As I was being physically dragged out of my house, I saw them crying in the hallway. They didn't come to my rescue that night. That was my introduction to the troubled teen industry. My parents were promised that tough love would fix me and that sending me across the country was the only way. 
Over the next two years, Paris was sent to four different facilities and programs for troubled teenagers. And she said that at the first program, she was forced to build camps and do manual labor all day. She said that they were yelled at constantly, like at a boot camp. She also said she tried to escape from her first camp, but that the guys who worked there captured her, brought her back and beat her in front of the other kids. It's just awful stuff. Yeah. The facility, though, that Paris has spoken about the most was the last one she attended, Provo Canyon School. Yeah, Provo Canyon School was one of those facilities that reportedly provided educational programs and private counselling for teens all in one. The New York Times wrote an article about these kinds of institutions in 2005. The article was titled, A Business Built on the Trouble of Teenagers. In her documentary, Paris said that Provo Canyon School, which is located in Utah, was the worst of the worst. She later testified that although Provo Canyon School marketed itself as a premier treatment center, it was as if hell itself was on earth. I cried myself to sleep every single night, praying I would wake up from this nightmare. She also claims that she, and we quote, didn't breathe fresh air or see sunlight for 11 months. Do you remember this being a trend when it came to troubled teenagers? It's so strange, but looking back, I actually remember one of the shows I watched with my dad when I was maybe 12 or 13 that we both loved was following a school very similar to Provo Canyon School and following all the troubled teenagers in there and the naughtiness they got up to and how harshly they were punished for it. Like this was a big trend in the early to mid noughties. I have no memory of anything like this. So I think when the Paris stuff came out in 2020, it completely blew my mind because I'd never heard of anything like it. Mm. Now Paris said that you'd spend the whole day sitting on a chair, staring at a wall, afraid of being yelled at or hit. She also recalled regularly seeing children be beaten, restrained, thrown at walls, strangled, and even sexually abused. She also said there was, and I quote, zero privacy. Every time I would use the bathroom or take a shower, it was monitored. At 16 years old, as a child, I felt their piercing eyes staring at my naked body. I was just a kid and felt violated every single day. Yeah, even worse, perhaps. Paris says that she was prescribed pills and had no idea what she was being given every day. She said that she found a way to avoid taking the medication, but that eventually the staff found a tissue with all of her missed doses hidden within it. She, as a result, alleges that she was thrown into solitary confinement. On solitary confinement, she said in the documentary, one day in isolation felt like a week. That small room covered in scratch marks and smeared blood with no bathroom is one of the most vivid and traumatizing memories I've ever experienced in my entire life. Yeah, she said she could hear someone in another room screaming and was starving, cold and scared. She said that communication with family members was censored, meaning that she couldn't report what was happening. As a result of her time in Provo, Paris has said that she struggles with horrible insomnia and is scared to go to bed at night due to the recurring nightmare of trying to run away from two men who came to kidnap her in the night. Now, Paris attended Provo in the 90s and Provo's ownership has since changed hands. In 2000, it was one of 12 properties acquired by University Health Services, a hospital management company. Mm. Now, the company has been forced to respond to the allegations from Paris and other former students who have also come forward with similar claims. A spokesperson for the company told BuzzFeed News that the school eliminated the use of seclusion or isolation, and I quote, some time ago, and does not use mechanical restraints, solitary confinement, or drugging as discipline. It's so dark. Provo so School, dark. Provo School has also responded to People Magazine's inquiries. They said that they cannot comment, and we quote, on the operations and patient experience prior to when the school was sold in 2000. It's just like unspeakably 
murky and yuck. Oh, it's awful stuff. Like I can't imagine how this would shape you as a teenager saying that these things happened to you. It would be so incredibly traumatizing. Now, Paris's mum, Kathy, has since told People magazine that she thought Paris was at a top tier institution that would provide her daughter with the best treatment from psychologists and psychiatrists. She told People magazine that she thought she was doing what was necessary to keep her daughter safe. Yeah, she said, just like so many young people, Paris was having a hard time figuring out who she was and what path to take. We hoped by having her in a structured environment, it would keep her safe and allow her the necessary space to figure those things out. Asked whether she regrets sending Paris to Provo and institutions like Provo, Kathy said this. I think every parent has certain things that they would change if they could go back in time. It was a difficult learning period for us to make decisions we thought would be best for her at the time. I absolutely wish we knew then what we know now. I believe every good and bad experience in life has been necessary to get to where we are now. I am thankful to be where we are today and that this experience has only strengthened our relationship. Paris has since said that she doesn't blame her parents for what happened at the school because they had no idea how bad things allegedly were. She told Hollywood Life, they just thought it was a normal boarding school. I think a lot of parents just have no idea what's happening at these places, but there's serious abuse that is happening. In her documentary, though, she did say that when she was at Provo, she hated her parents for sending her there and felt totally abandoned by them. Yeah, she said that the only thing that got her through that time was, and we quote, thinking about what I wanted to do and who I wanted to become when I got out of there. Paris said that she decided she was going to do everything in her power to be successful so that, and we quote, my parents could no longer control me again. It Maybe it's a really obvious point, but it's so interesting to read a story about a teenager who had everything, who had every luxury, every privilege given to her, every freedom to the point where she was clubbing at the age of like 13 or 14. Yeah, crazy. And then read about everything being taken away from her. Like this life of extremes just cannot be a good fertile ground for a teenager to function as like a, a well-balanced person. Not at all. Paris has been criticized over the years for being one of those celebrities who kind of became famous for being famous. But I think the reality is that even if the average person doesn't see her work as legitimate, she's worked pretty conscientiously over the years to build her brand and build her career, kind of the first influencer mm. ever. Now, by the end of the 90s, people started to know within 18-year-old Paris's name. In October 1999, the New Yorker's Bob Morris wrote that she and her then 16-year-old sister Nikki were the next generation of socialite. He wrote... At 16 and 18, Nikki and Paris Hilton are the littlest socialites in town. Thin, blonde and well-born, their great-grandfather was Conrad Hilton. They moved from LA with their parents three years ago and are now out and about with the city's most entitled teens. Without even a smile, they can breeze past the velvet ropes at Moomba or get a seat at Le Bill Bouquet. We'll pretend to know what that last thing is. <laughs> I'll pretend to know what all of it is. <laughs> now, by 19 years old, Paris's star power had grown significantly. In fact, she was rumoured to be dating Leonardo. DiCaprio. The public was absolutely fascinated by her. The likes of Vanity Fair actually interviewed Paris and her sister Nikki over lunch. They were flanked by their parents, Kathy and Rick, which made for a really interesting profile piece. Here's how Paris was introduced by writer Nancy Jo Sales when she was 19. 
Paris Hilton alights on the porch. She has sleepy, unnaturally blue eyes and looks as if she'd be hot to the touch. She looks like a 1930s movie siren, all sparkly warm blonde glow. She sits down and smiles wanly, winningly. She's wearing a white t-shirt, jeans and a pair of four-inch high lucite sandals that look as if they would be worn by streetwalkers on the planet Zorg. Now, obviously, it goes without saying the way people would write about fashion and streetwalkers, quote unquote, is very different back then as to what we would today. For sure. Nancy Joe observed, of all the girls in gossip land, people gossip the most about the Hilton sisters. Perhaps that's just the price of being blonde, beautiful, rich and spirited. They were a hot commodity, commercially speaking, too. For example, an influential LA party promoter spoke to Vanity Fair for the story, telling the journalist, you always want to have Paris and Nikki Hilton at your party. They are two fabulous young girls. They're little divas. They know how to work a room. Mm. By this point in her life, it appears that Paris was making a ton of cash. In a print interview with the publication Ocean Drive, she said, all of a sudden, it was like, we're going to pay you a million dollars to come to Japan. And my sister and I started going around to different events and parties. It's an insane amount of money, a million dollars to go to a party. In Japan. (laughs) Meanwhile, Paris was also trying to establish herself as a model and actress. In 2000, she signed with Donald Trump's agency, Team Management. She shot an independent teen thriller called Sweetie Pie. She just started working with a producer named Romeo, who'd worked with Prince Mariah Carey and Christina Aguilera. Now, we should also note that around this time, coverage of Paris became particularly snarky. One ABC News article we found from 2000 reported that Paris had allegedly been partying topless, to which she responded, I would never do that. I'm not some piece of trash. The article then read, those who recently saw the skanky spread of young Paris in Vanity Fair might beg to differ. Oh, it's just so intense for like a teenager to be put on the spot. And obviously quotes like, I'm not some piece of trash aren't ideal, but I probably would have spoken that way as a teenager. You're a teenager. Also, you're being called a skank by the, like the New York press. Yes. It's fucked. It's so fucked. In 2001, so the year after that, Paris filmed a cameo appearance as herself in the movie Zoolander and starred as a socialite in the horror film Nine Lives the year after that. She started landing invitations to bigger and bigger events. Paris said, businessman George Maloof called me. He said, Paris, I'm opening a new Palms Hotel in Las Vegas and I would love to fly you down in a jet and I want you to wear this million dollar dress. It has a million dollars worth of Palms gambling chips on it and I will pay you to come. Paris said that she was so eager to take up these opportunities that she actually had to hide the fact she wasn't even 21 Mm -hmm. or of age legally yet. She said, at the time, I wasn't even 21, but George Maloof didn't know that. He thought I was. So he said, I just need to make sure, so send me your driver's license. So I literally took a whiteout and a typewriter and changed the age to make it look like I was 21. I was really 20 at that point. So I faxed it over and then he flew the jet, had the opening. And after that moment, every single club in Las Vegas was calling me, wanting me to come out there every week. Now, Paris's big break came in 2003 when Fox offered her a reality TV show called The Simple Life. But before we get there, we need to talk about what Nicole was doing all this time while Paris was having one of 
the most dramatic, traumatic and troubled, troubled yeah. upbringings ever. Now, unlike Paris, Nicole Richie wasn't so much of a known name just yet. She was sometimes mentioned in articles, but only as like a periphery character in Paris's glittery life. In local circles, though, she was honing for sure a party girl reputation. Yeah. When her father, Lionel Richie, was interviewed about fatherhood years later, and questioned about why he had a particularly thin frame, he told the New York Daily News, I will give you Nicole Richie as a daughter and you're going to be thin too. Her teenage years damn near tried to kill me. Lionel elaborated more on that in an interview with Vanity Fair, where he said, Nicole went to all the hip schools, had all the hip friends, went to all the hip parties. And when kids go to the best schools, they have the best drugs, the best sex and the best accidents. When you say she can't have a car, she pulls up in a Ferrari. You say, where did you get that car? And she says, my friend loaned it to me. When a 17-year-old gets a Ferrari for his first car and wrecks it the next week, his father gives him another one. In Beverly Hills, if a kid says, I'm sleeping over at a friend's house, the sleepover turns out to have been in Vegas. It's an interesting quote because it's acting like... You have no power. He has no power. And I, I truly, I know nothing about this super rich, super wealthy, super connected world. I would be surprised if parents have that little power. Are the parents just distracted because they're so rich and famous, they're busy and they don't have the amount of attention to give to their children? Well, it's not that for me. It's more the assumption that you have no choice but to let her move around in these circles. You can pull To her access out of, whatever she wants. You yeah. can pull her out of these circles and put her somewhere else if you really want to, but you want her to be part of these circles. Like yeah. that's almost like not even an option for you. It's also like, is it really the best school if they are around like the best drugs and the best sex and the best accidents? Does that really make it the best school? Is it just the most expensive school? For sure. Her adoptive mum, Brenda, explained it like this. I thought she was with Lionel. He thought she was with me. And all the time she was out with some of her older friends. I didn't know she was out at clubs. She was so good at pulling scans. You could look her dead in the eye and she'd be lying. <sighs> Soon, Nicole was deep into drug use, so much so by the age of 14, she wasn't just using marijuana. She was also using cocaine, which later progressed to pills. While under the influence of those drugs, she said she started using China white heroin. Mm, speaking to Vanity Fair about her heroin addiction, Nicole Richie said, to me, it was the epitome of caring about absolutely nothing. There were points where my mom would come home and scream at me about something, but I literally didn't care about anything. It was like watching a really dramatic movie with the volume turned down. I thought I was getting away with everything when the reality was that I was arrested three times and had five car accidents two were totals. Nicole's behaviour was so concerning that Lionel Richie barred her from seeing her siblings or entering his house for a time. When she was 20, she was arrested for a DUI. In 2002, was arrested again following a brawl in a New York City nightclub where the charges were later dropped. At the end of February 2003, she was busted in Malibu for driving with a revoked licence and for being in possession of a balloon of heroin. Now, the timeline of Nicole's life around this time is fascinating because as she's experiencing this trouble with the law and with drugs her childhood friend Paris Hilton was trying to convince her to star in a brand new reality TV show called The Simple Life with her. Yeah now it was knowing that she might soon appear on television screens around the world that actually helped Nicole to take her heroin problem seriously. Here's the quote she later gave to Vanity Fair. I knew I could not go on television being as wasted as I was. I went to my parents and said it's time for me to get some help. So Nicole Richie went sober in March. She spent a month in rehab and while in rehab was actually ordered to do family therapy. 
Those sessions appear to have changed a lot for her. She told the publication, I had to sit in a room with both of my parents and they were crying. I kind of put down my shield and I wasn't as defensive. And then I felt really bad. We all had to change the way we dealt with each other. My parents didn't speak to each other for 10 years until we went into rehab and they both had to figure out what to do about me. So Nicole was done for possession of heroin in February. She was admitted to rehab in March and in April, that's when she began filming The Simple Life. The Simple Life was Mish about to become a celebrity and pop culture phenomenon. But in the weeks before Paris and Nicole made their small screen debut, whispers about an amateur sex tape started to make headlines in the mainstream media and things were about to become pretty complicated. Exactly right. The story of that, though, will be on the next episode of Scandal. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this first episode. There are two more to come. A big thank you to researcher Justine Landers-Hanley, who helped research this one alongside us. Yeah, absolutely. You know where we are. We're on Instagram at Shameless Podcast and TikTok at Shameless underscore podcast. We will be back, as always, in your ears on Thursday for another wrap in the week that was in pop culture. Bye. Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish Stylish, if you want to say it quickly, style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.